the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. Rosenthal is a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, a broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. Satera is under separate ownership for Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia, and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKay is not affiliated with Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, nor Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Jones is an employee of Rosenthal Wealth management group and affiliated with satira it's time now for making money sense live with larry rosenthal larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now author speaker and talk show host larry rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Well, welcome once again to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. And there he is, Mr. Larry Rosenthal himself. Good morning, sir. (laughs) Well, good morning. Right back at you, Chris. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Bob's giving you a sitting ovation there with his uh, clapping here this morning. Oh, yeah? Well, very good, Bob. I don't know why, but thank you very much. (laughs) Good deal. Good deal. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal, your host here on WAVA, D.C., Baltimore area, channel 105.1 FM, as well as our nationwide simulcast on Sirius XM Channel 131 Family Talk. Well, it's Saturday, Chris, and that means open mic, open right? Open mic Saturday, Any yep. questions at all, dial it up, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Give us a call today with any of your financial planning, estate planning, mortgage, housing prices questions, stock market volatility, what the Fed's doing, inflation, supply chains, whatever's happening in your 401k, you know, give us a call, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Well, you talk about the ultimate ride on Friday, huh? (laughs) What a market. I think the market... Uh, swung back and forth <laughs> over 800 points throughout the entire day. It you know? was rough. I saw 52-week yeah. lows on a lot of my stuff, and then all of a sudden it came back again. It was, it was yep, exactly. And then, so what does this mean? You know, what 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 is people are talking about capitulation? You know, people are talking about recession. People are talking about a massive rebound. People are talking about stocks sinking further. Which way? What's the direction? Where are things going? Let's kind of break that down a little today and take a look at it, okay? Mm-hmm. First of all, you know, capitulation is a term that's used in, in, well, in a lot of things, but it's basically when people just roll over and give up, right? I capitulate. I'm done. You know, and in the stock market, capitulation is, you know, there's no more sellers left. Basically, you know, it, it just bumps along the bottom, and usually that's followed by a nice rally, a nice market rally. 
uh, because people recognize the stock prices. Now, the S&P went in intraday and just touched the bear market level but closed back above it on Friday. So very interesting market action yesterday. Uh, we know that the uh, NASDAQ is in bear market territory. The Dow's not quite there yet either. And hopefully it won't get there. You know, so, so where are we? What does this mean? Are we headed towards recession? You know, here's the deal on, on recession. In looking at the 12 indicators that would sort of say these, you know, the majority of these things need to be present in order to be in a recession. You know, first of all, a recession is two back-to-back quarters of negative GDP growth, which we have not had. We've had one, and that was kind of predicted in the first quarter this year because, you know, you just it was comparing the opening of of the economy of uh, first quarter 2021 with the first quarter 2022. Obviously, when you go from zero in 2021 to opening it, you're going to get lots of GDP numbers uh, printed very positively. So that, that was the deal there. That was kind of expected. But going forward, not not so much. Uh, GDP is expected to continue to, to rise or, or, or continue to come in pretty strong over the next handful of quarters anyway. That's, that's what a lot of indications are showing. But my point is this, is let's talk about the recession. The question is, are we headed towards recession? Let's break down that question real quick. And, you know, this is going to disturb a lot of people. This is going to rub some people the wrong way because I'm going to play on words here, okay? And, and here's the deal. Most of the time when we do have a recession, not all of the time, but a good number of the time, okay, and I'll give you these stats in a moment, the, one of the conditions that's present in a recession is the fact that the Federal Reserve has tightened the economy too much. So the question is, are we headed towards a recession? Well, what's the Federal Reserve doing right now? The Federal Reserve is tightening the economy, right? So that is a step in that direction. But that doesn't mean we're going to get there. There's a lot of things that have to happen between today and a recession actually hitting the economy, okay? And when you take a look at some of the 12 indicators, housing permits, job sentiment, jobless claims, retail sales, even after, even after this past weeks of, of Walmart and Target's reporting on, on retail sales, okay, they're still positive. Wage growth, commodity spikes, ISM manufacturing orders, profit margins, truck shipments, credit spreads, money supply, and yield curve. Out of all 12 of those scenarios right there, there is really only one that's present okay, for a recession indicator, and, and that's wage growth right now, which is still strong. Um, money supply is a yellow caution. Everything else is green. Everything else is green right now. So, so when you look at the recession risk list of indicators there, 10 of them are green, one of them is yellow, and one of them is red. That doesn't mean that we're actually going to go into a recession. I'm looking back at the last seven or eight recessions on this chart here, and they're filled with red dots all over the place, okay? And so we are a long way away from that. We'll have to wait and see how this plays out. Again, you've got half the people on Wall Street talking about, yeah, we're going to end up there, and the other half saying, no, we're not. There's a lot of things that have to happen. We're going to talk more about that uh, real quick. But let's go ahead and welcome Lisa on the line from Tennessee. Good morning, Lisa. How are you today? Uh, Good morning, Larry. I'm great. Thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Uh, my question is, um, in relation to uh, what you're talking about now, the stock market, I have all of my um, 
um, savings, everything, retirement, in um, um, stocks and bonds, Fidelity. I don't owe anything. I'm 63. Uh, I have my own home, and you know, I don't owe for anything. I'm actually um, am able to work even part-time. I don't need to do it for the money, but I enjoy it. So I'm a nurse. So um, I'm just wondering. I'm a little concerned about the stock market. You know, I don't normally watch the news, uh, but I'm starting to watch it. And when I do, it's, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, everything's going down, 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 down. So my question is, should I take any of that out and put it into real estate or just leave it as it is? Well, Lisa, at this particular point, I would probably stay, say hold on because the key thing that you just told me is um, you haven't done anything yet and you don't need this money right now, right? So one of the things, if you go back, if if, if you go back and take a look at nine, to 1926, every single time that the market has pulled back, every single time that the market has pulled back, we have had a new rebound back to a brand new high again. What makes you think this time's any different? It's probably not. Just the length of time between now and when it reaches a new high. It, it could be the end of this year. It could be the end of next year. It could be the end of two years from now. But if you're in a situation here where you do not need any of this money right now, then I would not pull the money out because you will incur your loss. I would let it ride back out, okay, and let it recover, just like that happened in 2020, just like it happened in the end of 2018, just like it happened in 2013. Do you see what I mean? So, so, so I would not pull it out right now because then you'll incur that loss and you'll never make it back up again. So, so in periods like this, one of the things that you want to look at is say, you know, listen, you've got your, your investment in stocks and bonds that you just mentioned, right? And, and mm-hmm. sort of think about maybe you have 10 different positions in your account. You know, th- maybe three of them are sort of on the conservative side where they're not moving up and down a lot. Maybe four or five, three or four of them are, are sort of mid-range where they're getting a little bit of volatility. They're not down as much as the markets. And then another three or four of them are sort of long-range things. Those are the ones that are probably getting hit the hardest at this particular point. But I would say to you this, let, you know, let's let's not panic and sell out at this particular point because – what what happens when the market does come back and you're not there? Then you incur that loss, and especially in your case when you say you don't need the money. If you want, I'll be happy to have someone take a look at your existing holdings for you and see if you're in the right sectors. You know, but possibly, you know, sometimes when the markets are down like this, sometimes it's okay to rebalance, to move from one place to another. But there you're selling low and buying low. What you don't want to do is sell low and wait for the news to sound good and then go back in. By then, the stock market has recovered. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Yep. Yep. So I'm just drawing up maybe maybe, like maybe 2000 a month uh-huh. from it, and, which is not a, a, a large part of it. So, um, And I you know, wouldn't really have to do that. But, um, okay, well, that makes sense then. Okay, it, it's with Vanguard, and, I, I, you know, I don't know how they – I have a personal advisor, and you know I'm getting lots of mail about not worrying about the market volatility, and so um, I guess I'll just hang in there and then not watch the news. <laughs> yep, there you go. Watch a baseball game, that's for sure. So listen, okay, Lisa. I will he- do. Thank you so much. Yep.
here's what I'll do for you. I'll put you on hold, and I'll have Bob grab, grab some of your contact information. I'll have somebody reach out to you, and then we can do an analysis for you on your holdings and take a look at it for you, make sure everything's where it needs to be. So I appreciate the phone oh, call. Thank you, you have, so much. Absolutely. I'll put you on hold. You have a great weekend. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Let's welcome Nelson on the line from Missouri. Good morning, Nelson. How are you? Good morning. I have two uh, very quick and I hope simple questions for you, okay? Yes, sir. Number one, is a momentum fund a um, fund run by an active manager or is it, an alg- is it run by uh, algorithms? I would probably say yes. There are probably some momentum funds that are run just by computers and some that are run by active management. I just don't know which one you're talking about. Are the majority of momentum funds run by algorithms? Um, I, I, I don't know the answer to that, actually. You know, when, when you're looking at a momentum fund, what, what key metrics are driving the investment decision for the momentum? Is it stock price reaching new highs? Um, is it earning surprises? What is the story there? Is it volume on it? So from that standpoint, it's pretty easy to have computers do that type of a scenario with somebody overseeing it. So I, I'd have to take a look at the exact ETF or the fund that you're really looking at to, okay. to, make, to make that determination, Nelson, okay? Well, let me ask it this way. Uh, uh, a momentum fund, it, sound, it sounds like uh, people are watching a race, and, and they're looking at all the winners, and they just are – piling on they want to get with the winners as opposed to maybe more fundamental analysis is that a difference between a momentum fund and a in a more fundamental approach to stock picking yes yeah, so when you're talking momentum fund here just for people that are listening that aren't aren't following you're talking about a theme type of an investing okay like like I'm a sorry, theme did you say, did you say theme t-h-e-m-e Yes, like a theme. The theme is, the, you know, one theme could be high income, low P.E. You're talking about momentum. You're talking about price increases, volume, people chasing higher and higher returns um, uh, from the standpoint of, of valuations being stretched. In other words, it's more growth momentum. What's driving these these particular stocks that are inside this fund or this ETF? And it's all growth momentum. And and as far as the fundamental analysis goes, that's kind of secondary. As far as the technical analysis of those holdings goes, that's secondary too. You're just wanting momentum. You're wanting volume. You're wanting you're wanting more and more uh, 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 evaluation uh, stretching. You want PE ratios that are very very high. So, so it's just a theme. That's all it is. There's, there's no difference between a smart beta and, well, the, 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 there's difference between the different themes, but they all work the same. Smart beta, low volatility, growth, momentum, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's just so, a, so a momentum fund does not necessarily have to be growth-oriented. A gro- it probably usually is because a momentum fund, at least from this call, gives me the impression 
that it's stock prices that are reaching new 52-week highs, and it's P/E ratios that are that are that are on the margins. Um, you know, as far as being high and stretched, that's the impression I'm getting. I, like I said, I'd have to read the prospectus to find out exactly the ins and outs of what can and cannot go into that fund or that ETF. But when you're talking momentum, you know that that's usually what what it is. Is it stocks that are that are being screened for for within you know five percent of their 52-week high, that that type of stuff, or it's stocks that are being screened that are that are in the 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 top quartile of higher P.E. ratios versus its industry. Do you see what I mean? And, and above yeah. and over the market. So it's that, that's what momentum means to me. Now, it could be slightly different. I, I, I've learned something a long time ago, Nelson, that is I never buy a fund or an ETF or anything based off the name of it. You've got to read into it what can be okay. built in it and what goes on from it from that standpoint. Okay? Okay. Yes, I have one other very quick question. Uh, I was doing a little bit of research. I might have done it wrong. I don't know. Uh, some of the FANG stocks, could they be on two different exchanges at the same time? Sure. Why, why would they want to do that? Well, I don't know if they're going to want to do that. I mean, it's just, it's uh, you know, somebody can be in the Dow and somebody could be in the NASDAQ at the same time, right? It's just it's just the size of the of the uh, in the S and P. It's just the size of the of the stock as far as market cap weight goes, price per share times the the number of uh, outstanding shares out there. That gives you the market cap weight of it. You know so the S and P five hundred is going to a fang stock. Uh, you nobody can say definitively. You know they're only in the Dow or they're only in the Nasdaq. Well, they're probably going to be in the in 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 the one. Well, it depends where they're traded at, right? Some of them are traded on the Nasdaq, but they could be part of the S and P five hundred because the S and P five hundred is not an exchange that's being traded on, whereas the Dow and the Nasdaq are are exchanges that are actually having the not the Dow, the New York Stock Exchange. Those are are exchanges that things are being uh, traded on, but they could be well, an S and P five hundred stock. To exchanges, they could be on uh, Microsoft. No, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna trade on one exchange, Nelson. They're gonna trade oh, oh, on they're one only exchange. Only gonna be on one exchange to trade, yes. But they could be in different indices, yes. Okay, well, thank you very much. Absolutely. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Again, open mic Saturday. Give us a ring. Any questions at all, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. We were talking about recession indicators, okay, and and of the 12 indicators right now, there's only one of them that are present, and that's wage growth, which is very strong. When you have strong wage growth, it gives people the, the purchasing power to buy more goods and services, right? So that is a driving effect, but there's 10 other ones that are in the green that are showing no recession right now as we talk today. Okay, and only one of them is yellow, and that's the money supply, because we all know there's excess money in the system from all the stimulus that we've had coming out of COVID. And as well, as well I will do one more thing, Chris, and then we'll take a quick break here. You know, another scenario here that people are talking about is the spike in energy prices, right? 
We all know gas is more expensive. Energy is more expensive, right? I mean, that's why Target missed its earnings this past week was simply because they underestimated the cost of transportation in, in, in moving their goods. And, uh, Can you services. imagine the cost of gas and diesel for those trucks that have been delivering? I mean, it's huge. It's yeah. huge. That's exactly right. But when you go back and you look at the last seven or eight recessions that we've had, actually nine or ten of them here on the chart, you go back and you take a look at them all, you'll see that only a couple of times um, we, you'll, you'll see that, that oh, I, I wish everybody could see this chart I'm looking at, uh, energy prices have, have been present as far as a spike goes, but they've only been there a couple of, uh, not every time my point is that energy prices have spiked have we had a recession. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm trying to say here. So, so the recession talk that's out there, Yes, it could it could be self-fulfilling, and you don't want that to be the case at all at, at that particular point. Because where I'm going with this is when you take a look at the underpinnings of the market, of the economy, it's very strong. It really is. Corporate earnings are continuing to come in and deliver. They were estimated to be a little over 5%. They're tracking in right around 10 this quarter, which is very, very strong. You know, the the consumer, Chris, you – you're showing up strong in the stores, still continuing to buy goods and services. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a time to be patient I gotta uh, ask with, you though, Larry, with the investments. This, uh, this energy spike, the cost of, of gas and diesel and things of that nature, is so high, it just feels artificial. It can't, is it all Russia? Is it all because of Russia or because of the supply chain issues that we had with COVID? I mean, it just hasn't recovered yet. I mean, it it's just a feels- combination of a few things, Chris. Yeah. It's the it's the, it's the war in Ukraine. It's it's fear, okay, um, and it's it's demand for for different reasons. A lot, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the issue here is 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 um, uh, excess money that's been printed over the last year or so, um, and stimulus that's come into people. Uh, which, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, that's what the politicians deal with, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, but we have too many dollars chasing too few goods. And when you take a look at, 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 the, at, at the consumption mechanisms in our society and you divide it between goods, which are durable goods and non-durable goods, and then services, you'll see that pre-pandemic we were much more of a consumer of services than goods. Oh. During the pandemic – we basically shut down manufacturing around the globe for almost a year and a half, and we became a consumer of goods during that period of time instead of services. And now you're so we overwhelmed the system, is what you're saying. That's exactly right. And yeah. now you're seeing you're seeing on the the trend line, you're seeing services rising, but they're not be- the the consumption of services rising, but it's not back to trend line. And when you take a look at the consumption of goods, you'll see that it's way over trend line pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. But it's starting to track sideways a little bit right now, which is good news to alleviate inflation pressures. But supply chains need to come back on. And now we have China announcing a zero, zero COVID policy. That's hurting more, more exporting of, and manufacturing goods, goods as well at mm-hmm. that particular point. So this is going to be a scenario here where we still feel that inflation is going to peak at some point mid-year. I don't know, call it May, call it June, call it July, and then start to trend down from its peak, okay, 
and and that's what that's what all the analysts, all the economists, and the fund managers that we talk to weekly are all talking about. And so we're looking at all this data, and once we start to see that, then we'll know that the Federal Reserve doesn't have to keep tightening and squishing down the economy into perpetuity, and that could give some relief to stocks at that particular point. So gotcha. definitely. So, uh, hey, we've got uh, got a call on the line here. We'll just hold that that uh, commercial real quick. Let's welcome Annie on the line from Beth- from Maryland. Good morning, Annie. How are you? Good. Good morning, Larry. So um, I was just calling to find out if you could provide some recommendations as to what you um, would recommend for um, people to invest in now, given the, just as a follow-up to the first caller's um, inquiry about not, you know, what she should do in terms of um, the current holdings that she has, if she should stay put, um, but con- wants the, you know, wants to continue to invest, where should she put her money, or where would you advise that, you know? Sure. Well, let, let me let me ask you a couple questions first, Andy. Are you talking about introducing new money, or or is this current money that's already invested? This would be new money. So new so money. Say if you're continuing to invest in, in the market. Right. Oh yeah, what a, what a great opportunity! You know, opportunities like this don't come along too often. Okay, because we don't have this degree of pullbacks too often, and that's a good thing, right? But when they do come along, this is when you almost want to sort of back the truck up and start buying quality investments because you'll get a a very nice return at some point when the markets do come back because the secret to everything here, Annie, is the acquisition of shares. And if I can put a dollar in today and get two shares versus putting a dollar in last year and only getting one share, I'm better off getting two shares, right? So the question becomes, in your case, what time frame before you need this money to come back to you or what time frame before you need this money to start giving you income? So that would be the next so, question that I would ask you. About 10 years. Then I would just simply say let's start buying some – Some I would, I would buy the market. You know, I would just look at putting money into the S&P 500. I'd buy individual quality stocks that have solid balance sheets that – that when you take a look at, at where the economy is going, where needs and services are being produced, uh, innovation, uh, technology companies, strong retail companies, um, you know, th- those are the types of places that I really take a look at. There's a lot of tremendous buys out there. You know, and, and when we're looking at our analysts uh, of, of stock prices over the next 12 months on a lot of the household names that's in your garage or in your pantry, I mean, these things are, 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 are very well priced today. So can't really go wrong with any of that. I'll tell you what I'll do. If, if you like, I'll have Bob get your information. We'll have an advisor reach out to you next week and break down and give you some specific funds, ETFs, stocks, and things like that and show you how to build a, a well-balanced, diversified portfolio and take advantage of these low prices. Okay? Okay. Perfect. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Let me put you on hold and Bob will get your contact information. Appreciate the phone call. And by the way, very, very wise. You know, Warren Buffett said once a long time ago something to the effect of, you know, when people are getting greedy, look out. But when people are very fearful, that's when you want to buy. And people are fearful today, Annie, and you're, you're making the right decision by buying. So appreciate the phone call. You listen to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. We're back in a moment with more Making Money Sense.
Sense Live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. your questions, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Coast to coast from the nation's capital, this is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123 is the number to call, 855-ROSE-123. Larry. I don't know where that music's coming from today, Chris, but I like it. Yeah, you like the old fiddle? You ever yeah, that? sounds pretty neat. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> good deal, good deal. Hey, you know, so let, let's let's talk a little bit about we we've, we've had a couple callers talking along the same lines today about what to do. Where are we? What should we do at this particular point? You know, and I, I've kind of sort of pushed it back on them a little bit. You know, tell me about your goals. What's your time frame? We need to be thinking about this. This is one of the things you need to be thinking about when you're talking to your advisor or if you do it yourself. These are some of the uh, list of items that you need to really be thinking about. I'm just going to pull these out here off the top of my head just, just, from, just from doing this for, for so long. You know, First question is what are, your, what are your goals? What is it you like to try to do? What is it you like to try to do on what time frame? When do you want to do them? What does it look like for you? Do you want to retire earlier and get out of the stress job and maybe take a part-time job for a few years? Do you want to continue working through what most people consider normal retirement age because you like it so much? What is it that you really want to do? There's no right or wrong answer here. Lifestyle, I mean, retirement decisions are basically a lifestyle choice. That's what they are. They're a lifestyle choice. I have many, many friends, many, many clients that, that have retired early, okay, uh, because they like their standard of living and they want to get out of a stress job and they take a part-time job or they do something that they like or volunteer work or things like that. And I've seen other people on the other end of the spectrum who say, you know what, I got nothing going on. I'm just going to keep on working. I want to stay engaged in the game. I like it, right? 
So there's really no right or wrong. It's really what your goals are. And what do you, what is your time frame? You know, when, when, let's pretend you're going to retire in, in January of 2024, January of 2024. Right. So, so, you know, was that a year and a half or so from now? So when when you're roughly when you're <clears throat> when you're thinking about it that far out in advance, or for some people that close down the road, right, year and a half, how are you measuring your ability to be able to do that? What is your current spending today, and have you projected that spending into when you pull the trigger and retire? You know that's a very interesting scenario there, and that that takes a, a financial cash flow analysis based based off of uh, where you are you know you can you can see that at my website go to my website larryrosenthal.com and on the front page right there which by the way we're getting ready to launch a new website here uh, pretty soon so we're in the final editing stages of that so looking forward to that up uh, coming pretty soon uh, but you can see a, a video there about 90 seconds long on what a financial plan really looks like you know, another question is your risk level. What risk level are you willing to accept? What, what risk level must you accept in order for your dollars to keep pace with taxes and inflation? Because when you're 65, you need money. When you're 75, when you're 85, and when you're 95 years old, you still need money, right? You still need money for yourself down the road. You need money coming to you from in a tax-efficient manner from reliable sources, uh, on your timetable, not theirs, but on your timetable, how do you take your investments from growth orientation of a goal to income distribution and growth at the same time? What type of sectors will provide that for you? Is your, in, is your investments to, you know, think about it from this standpoint. Um, this happens a lot. Somebody will inherit money from their parents, right? or their grandparents, and you sit down and you take a look at it, and you and they go, well, these investments aren't really aligned with what our goals are now for the, for the next generation, right? So you have to rebalance and change them to what your goals are. Same thing with your money. You've been growing your money all these years only to find yourself now getting close or already in retirement, and now all of a sudden you've got to change your money from a growth slant to a growth and in income slant. How do you do that? Which sectors do you, do, you, do you move money away from and into? When do you start that process in order to deliver yourself income? And then once you get to that point, do you have what we would call quiet pools of money? In other words, what I was explaining to the caller earlier today is, is you might want to have some of your investments in your account that are set up in such a way that aren't that volatile. They don't grow much, but they don't lose much either. Those are the areas most of the time that you're going to be drawing income from or emergency money from, from that standpoint. So how are things set up? And then, of course, taxes. You know, and I just go on and on with this, Chris, but, you know, taxes. What are we talking about as far as taxes in the three different phases of financial planning? Lots of pain is what you're talking about. Well, lots of pain there for taxes. That's right. Yeah. You know, so, so. You know, but hey, by the way, and let me just throw this out there for taxes. Chris is very generous. Every time he sends in his tax payments, he always, you know, puts a little in for other people. So give Chris a call, yeah, yeah. see if he'll mention your name on his tax return. Uncle and, Sam uh, gets plenty and, and gets cover it for you a little bit there, right? <laughs> there you go. But no, seriously, if you stop and you take a look at the three phases of financial planning, you have the accumulation phase, and then the distribution phase, and then the legacy phase, and all three of those 
phases you have to deal with taxes. And basically the IRS, we've boiled it down to the IRS views our money uh, basically through four different lenses. They look at our dollars through four different ways. So we want to make sure we're tax efficient in all the phases of, of financial planning. You know, so so threw a lot out there, you know, but I just wanted to just, you know, the, the, the last couple calls here were really talking about in that area of, of these types of questions. And then, of course, your liquidity needs all along the way. And, you know, if you take a look at the normal roadmap, you know, people below 40, people 40 to 60, and people plus 60, you know, what do you have? You have marriage, two or three different homes most of the time, college funding, multiple cars all along the way, vacations, uh, you, you, you have graduations, you have weddings, you have all kinds of things. And, oh, by the way, each month you need to be pulling off a little bit to save for retirement too, right? You know, so, so think about the, the dynamics of that, that, that systematic ability to, to direct dollars to where they need to be to cover all of these particular events at those particular points in time. You know, so so there's a lot that goes. A lot in of balls in the air to juggle, man. I'm well, that's for sure. You know, a lot a lot of things go into the air. Uh, you know, a lot of balls in the air for all of that. And and what are your spending habits? One of the questions that I get asked a lot is, you know, Larry, how much do I need in retirement? Mm-hmm. And the answer is this: is do you like your current lifestyle? So, you know, I, I threw out a lot here at us, but, but let's break this down real quick. And for those of you listening right now or watching on YouTube at LarryRosenthal.tv, think about it like this. Ask yourself the question, do you like your lifestyle today? And if the answer is yes, then that's the amount of money that you want to strive to have on an after-tax basis each and every month in retirement years. If you like your lifestyle, then why don't we just set up the financial plan in order to try and match that lifestyle? Makes logical sense to me. So that's sort of the bar. That's sort of the the base plan, the base set of numbers that we would run in order to make the um, um, plan to to see if you're on pace to maintain your current your current plan, uh, current lifestyle. You know, and then you take a look at the at the. where does income come from, right? Where does income come from in retirement years? You know, and there's a survey out here that, that was done just a couple of years ago, and it says the percentage of retirees who, who said the following is a major or minor source for, for uh, uh, income, 88% of people said that Social Security is a major source of their monthly income. Social Security, right? Uh, 69% said that a major source of their personal income during retirement years is personal savings and investments. Uh, and then as we just go down the, the, the list a little bit, it, it gets you know less and less because there's less and less people retiring with pensions today and things like that. But if you stop and think about that, Social Security is going to be one solid leg of your retirement picture. And then it's your savings and your investments. And that's why it's important to make sure that you sort of match up your expenses for yourself and measure against your lifestyle to put it into a, a properly structured financial plan. So, you know, I just wanted to talk about that you know, real quick because I just love those two calls today as far as how do I introduce new money into the market today and what should I be doing with my current investments today? Current investments, take, an, take, take, take a view of them, analyze them, make sure they're where they need to be, okay, 
But the last thing you want to do is to sit out and, and miss a rebound when that rebound does occur at some point down the road. So, hey, we've got to take a quick break here, catch up on our breaks here a little bit. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. another money minute with larry rosenthal so many different ways to invest money lump sum deposits buy and hold market timing how about dollar cost averaging put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval whether it's monthly quarterly annually whatever it may be this gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment because one of the secrets to creating wealth is the acquisition of shares you want to keep buying more and more shares over time On the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse. Dollar cost average out during your retirement years. financial advice you can depend on you found the larry rosenthal show call now with your questions 855-767-3123 or stop by LarryRosenthal.com. this is the larry rosenthal show well welcome back to the larry rosenthal show 855-767-3123 855-ROSE-123 to talk to larry rosenthal our financial and retirement expert right here in studio larry Sure, Chris. So let's talk something about, uh, you know, grading investments today. One of the metrics that's often overlooked by a lot of people is something called upside and downside capture. And what does that actually mean? You know, when, when you're talking about upside and downside capture, mainly in a mutual fund, an ETF, or it could actually be an entire portfolio, depending on how you're taking a look at it all, Right. So upside, let's suppose the market goes up 10%. How much of that are you actually capturing? Let's suppose the market goes down 10%. How much of that are you actually capturing, right? So what is the rating when it comes to your ETFs or your mutual funds or your overall portfolio on what we would call the upside and downside capture as compared to the markets? And that's something that's pretty important these days with the markets being under as much pressure as they're under, right? So you want to really take a good, solid look at it. And and a lot of times inside people's portfolios, <clears throat> you have to understand how a lot of people have their portfolios constructed. Some people have them constructed in such a way that they have diversification where some of their money is in you know value-oriented stocks. Some of them are in bonds. Some of them are in tech stocks. Some of them are international, small, medium, and large company stocks. So all of those different sectors or industries right there have different types of of, uh, comparisons to. 
So you take a look at the overall portfolio, but you also have to break them out and compare them one at a time to the different sectors that they represent inside your portfolio. It's a little bit of work, but that way you can really see how your managers, your fund managers, the ETFs, the advisors and stuff are actually performing on your behalf when it comes to all of that. So interesting stuff, and you know this stuff will be going on forever and ever. That's for sure as the markets continue to make changes up and down and all around. So... You know, just metrics to really take a look at, you know, how things are performing inside your investments as far as all that goes. So, Chris, I saw your face. Did you have a question or something? First, I got to find my button. I'm normally pushing the buttons here today. <laughs> I thought you were going to hit me with a question here. <laughs> Finding the buttons. Well, I can always hit you with a question because yep, there's, there always, there's always something to, that's of concern. and. You know, we've been talking a lot about this inflation thing, and that's been bugging me a little bit. And then the supply chain things have been bugging me a little bit. But really, I guess that nest egg is the thing that's the most important. How much of that money do we need sort of as, a, um, as an emergency backup as far as cash is concerned? Well, as far as your, your emergency monthly expenses goes, you want to have between three to six months worth of living expenses saved up in the bank. Uh, okay. Okay. You know, so if your living expenses are, are, let's say, four grand a month, you know, three months of it's 12 grand, six months of it's, you know, 24 grand, you know, that you want to have in, in cash reserves. And how do you start to accumulate that extra cash versus uh, whatever you need to put as far as away for retirement? And things well, like you want to build the house. You want to build the financial house in a proper way, obviously. You want to make sure that, first of all, you're living within your means of your income. You want to tithe, do additional gifts and offering, pay your taxes and save, right? Mm -hmm. Live what's off of what's left if that's possible. Start building money for reserves in the bank and then after that's built up, then start your investment process. But all along the way too, if you have the ability to put money into a retirement plan at your employer, at least put in when you're starting out what they're matching. That That's mm -hmm. for sure. Well, they were talking and a lot. A, okay, sorry, go ahead. And as a matter of fact, you know, we we've we've we we had a, I had a a call earlier this week, which was talking about doing the exact opposite of what you should be doing right now. And that that call was basically, you know, hey, should I stop putting money into my retirement plan because the markets are down? And and the answer was absolutely not. You want to continue to put money in every single paycheck right now because you're accumulating more and more shares at a cheaper price. A lot of people don't understand this, okay? But it's the it, like I was talking to that caller earlier. It is the acquisition of shares. The more shares you can get, the better off you're going to be down the road as the markets do rebound, and they will at some point uh, down the road. So again, corporate earnings look very strong. The economy's a lot stronger than the market is indicating right now, and and so we'll wait and we'll see. You know, in a couple of weeks, uh, second week of June, we're going to get the April inflation number, and that's going to give us uh, uh, some direction on on uh, you know where inflation is. So I was uh, also know. I was also hearing a lot in the news lately about how the college landscape may be changing just a little bit as far as saving money for college, and you know they were talking a lot about uh, forgiving the the loans those students who have had loans. I mean, if you want your son or your daughter, if you're getting to a point where they want to go to school, is the best way, the, the 529, is that the best way to save for college money? Well, there's a handful of different ways that you can save for college. You know, um, one of them is the 529 plan. The, the advantage that the 529 plan offers is that the money that's inside the plan 
while it's in there, it's all growing tax deferred. Mm. So, so that means there's no taxes as the money's growing versus other types of savings investments. But you get penalized if you don't use it for school stuff, right? Well, when you pull the money out, as long as it's it's paying, as long as it's paying what's called qualified educational expenses, then it all comes out tax free. But if you pull it out to you know go buy a car with it, mm. then you're going to have to pay taxes plus a 10 percent penalty on it. Um, so, you know, and, and one of the features that a 529 plan offers is a lot of times it will offer an age-based solution. So the closer the student is to going to college, the more conservative those investments will be redirect, redirected each and every year. Hmm. Also, the, you, can, you can direct the 529 plan administrator to actually send the tuition checks and the college cost checks directly to the institution from the oh, investments. Nice. Yeah. So you don't have to wor- worry about the, the paper trail proving to the IRS one day, hey, yeah, we took the money out, and then we wrote the check over here. But but that way, uh, it's, it's a lot easier. We have people doing that all the time in, in, in our office. So re- it ma- yeah. makes it very convenient from that standpoint. I remember also a while back you were talking about uh, there are some, some sort of funds, maybe from, this, from the state themselves, I'm not sure which, where you don't have to worry about the, the increase in the cost of tuition. So those are prepaid tuition programs. Yeah, not every state has them anymore, but some states still do. Where you 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 actually let's suppose your child's in in fifth grade today, you can actually go ahead to the state and prepay tuition at today's rates. That's amazing. They lock you in at today's rates. Okay, so so now you're putting money in, whether it's a lump sum or monthly payments, and they and basically when you get down the road to college. You're not absorbing all of that inflation pressure between fifth grade and and your first year in college. That sounds amazing. Uh, yeah, and so I've seen a lot of people do that, and I'm I'm kind of a fan of both actually. I'm a fan of of a combination of both of them, and and it's very interesting to see how it plays out. You know, when when you work with clients for so long, you see that see their young kids, and then they mm-hmm. grow up into mm-hmm. the college age, and see how these plans actually come out and work. You know, but college funding is. As we all know, it's very, very expensive, and and um, really you know, worse, I, I don't don't know where where the end is uh, as, as far as all that goes, and as far as the the constant increasing in tuitions and things of that nature. So we'll we'll see how that plays out. I'm gonna get my years. degree from YouTube. That's what I need. The YouTube degree. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Plus hey, everybody, check out my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and sign up for our newsletter. We send out a weekly market commentary, and I get all kinds of feedback on it, uh, which is good. Good news. That means people are reading it. But we send out a market uh, recap, a weekly newsletter, uh, just on what's going on in the markets and the economy. If you want to get on that, that mailing list, feel free to do it. Just visit my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and uh, sign up right there on, on the website as, as far as that goes. Follow us on Facebook as well if you like. And, you know, during the week, you can give us a ring, uh, call at 855-ROSE-123, or give us a ring this morning here, 855-ROSE-123. We're just sort of killing a little time here, Chris, just talking about financial planning and investing strategies Some and stuff like that. great calls today so far, too. Some yep, nice absolutely. You know, and we, we were talking about, you know, so, sort of the components in a financial plan today, earlier, and, and one of the components, too, is is this is taking a look at the estate planning the distribution of things you know how are assets going to pass how do assets pass from you as the owner or your parents or grandparents as owners to you or to other heirs and or charities uh, and or the IRS right how do assets actually pass you they want to pass keep it out of their hands if you can at least the best right, possible right right 
But but you know one of the most popular things is first of all you take a look at the beneficiary form. You know how is the how are the beneficiary forms filled out? And then you've got the will, you've got trust, you have joint ownership paperwork and things of that nature. And all of those um, have pros and cons to them as far as it all goes. You know the, I I've done a webinar before on the eleven different ways you can title accounts. Of the 11 different ways that you can title accounts, each one of them have tax consequences to them while the assets are growing, while you own them. And then when you're in heaven and you don't need them anymore, when you're going to pass those assets on, they all have tax consequences. So it's important to take a look at there's so many different things that go into or items, I should say, that go into a financial plan. You know, and one of them is the titling of accounts. How are your accounts titled? Is, is your investment account titled with you and your spouse? Is your home titled with you and your spouse? What happens when you both pass? How does that asset pass to the next generation without going through probate? Does it receive a stepped-up basis from a tax perspective? Can you set it up from the titling of the account so that there's a huge tax benefit to your heirs? And the answer is yes, and you need to understand the different ways that items can be titled in order to pass these these items on and these assets on. So it's important to really take a look at all this, you know, and I'm just sort of going through in my mind here today just based off of these callers. I had some material we wanted to talk about, but but these two callers today really set the course of what people should be doing and thinking about at this particular point in time, you know, when it comes to the markets, introducing new money, what you should be doing with your current investments, and that led into, obviously, you know, the different components in a financial plan, but... You talk a lot about blind spots. I know the one blind spot that I is the biggest that is a concern to me is you talk about those beneficiary forms. You just even talked about that. That trumps everything, doesn't it? The beneficiary form is the highest form in the land. That's correct because so. it's it's assumed you are of sound mind and body, and you you said, hey, this is what I want to do with this asset when that event happens. But things change, and you forget things do change, and that's why you need to go. You need to review them. You know, I did a beneficiary audit this past week for some clients. You know, we're doing beneficiary audits all the time for people because things do change. Uh, there's, there's, there's no doubt about that. That's for sure. Hey, let's go ahead and welcome Ron on the line from Virginia. Good morning, Ron. How are you today? Good morning. I'm doing well. I was uh, listening when I was driving uh, about you talking about education uh, investments for children. Uh, wanted to get your thoughts on the type of portfolios to use in the Virginia 529. Uh, I have a uh seven seventh grader and a first grader and uh, within the virginia 529 there's different options to use mm-hmm. uh, your thoughts on uh, different options uh, as far as investment portfolios within that program to use with those I, ages yeah if you're inside the program already i kind of like a combination of using the age-based and then your own okay so like maybe take as an example you know, 60% of it and put it into the age-based portfolios, they're going to automatically manage that a little bit. And then maybe take the other 40% and put it into your own ones that you like within the within the menu of offering. Uh, but the defaults work pretty good as far as the age-based plans go as well. So it just depends on how active and how much you want to monitor it. Ron, listen, I'm, I'm going to put you on hold real quick. I've got to close out the show, and then I'll, I'll pick you back up here in just a second. Appreciate you waiting. Thank okay. you very much. 
So uh, you can catch us next Saturday here with another session of the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. Give us a ring during the week at 855-ROSE-123 and visit my website, LarryRosenthal.com. Sign up for uh, our newsletter, and uh, we'll be happy to, to get it out to you as well. I'll be doing a, probably another webinar uh, in the next couple of weeks. I want to wait and see what some more earnings numbers look like. So for Bob in the back and Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week. We'll be back next Saturday with another session the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.